Welcome to the Human Size Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Crystal. And today we're going to talk about community. And we have a very special guest to join us in our conversation, Heather Jones, who's a life group director at a multi-campus church in Oregon, Family Church. And she's a people-loving introvert, a six on the Enneagram, and we have loved working with her and being in community with her. So she's a perfect person to have on and as a leader to talk with us about community and leadership. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Leadership can be a lonely place. And if we're not strategic about it, um, we can just be alone and lack community, which is important for us. Yeah. And what what is community is like things important thing to answer because that's a word that we use, but I don't know that people often understand what true community is or experience it or what we would define as community. That's probably a factor as people look at community different. So Heather, I know you're passionate about community. You're actually a life group director at our church, which some churches call life groups, community groups. Um, It's really the base of it. The core of it is bringing people together to build community, to encourage each other in their faith and have that network. And you guys just went through a series focused on community? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking, what is com- what is community? That's a really good question. And it's, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But I think that kind of what you're talking about in that leadership space, like what kind of community do leaders need to seek out is a space of like authenticity, a, a place that um, appreciates the vision uh, that you have, the, the visions of others, um, the kind of place where you can have some of that accountability Again, that requires authenticity, um, some mutual respect, some deep relationships, some places where you can um, do life together outside of just the the things that you're about. Um, so I think in in this context for for leaders, you need you need some of that. It was interesting. I was just thinking too when we were talking about this idea of leadership. Uh, you introduced us to Tara. I want to say it's Tara from Wholehearted. Yeah, I know her last name, but I'll give me a minute to think it's okay. <laughs> and she was saying that a lot of people end up in leadership. Like what makes us really great leaders is like the trauma-shaped, um, <laughs> the, the trauma-shaped um, leadership uh, skills that come out. And oftentimes that trauma-shaped leadership skills are the ones that say, do it on your own, go your own way. Like you're going to have to pull in and do this in your own strength or whatever. And um, it doesn't necessarily lend to being a leader and and um, having healthy community. Yeah. And just to note, that's Tara Matson from Living Wholeheartedly, which right. is an organization she does with her husband to help people live authentically, leaders to live authentically. What do you think the biggest, cha- I mean, you mentioned kind of the rise in leadership, but what do you think the biggest challenge is for community yeah, for leaders? Mm, that's a good, that's a good question. Just even looking at it from like the male, female perspective, right? So for women, oftentimes when they move up in the chain, they're less liked, right? Statistically, they're less liked as they move up. They, as they have more power and more influence, generally people don't like them as much. So it's a lonelier space for women. Um, and then I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm actually super interested to kind of hear what happens for men, but it doesn't seem like that gets to be prioritized. And I don't know if that's like a personal lack of priority or if it's a if it's a, a built-in kind of a thing, do you, how do you how do you feel like that is prioritized amongst male leaders? Seth? Yeah, I think first that's that's really sad. And if you bad, I mean both accounts, both women and the challenge in rising in leadership and men, I do think it's a different mm-hmm. pressure. I think we grow up watching 
heroes in movies, they're usually a lone wolf person, yes. right? And then, so like that's modeled that that's masculinity. And then I think also, um, so because of that, maybe we don't, I don't get pressured anywhere to have friends. Like there's not people going up to me going, you really need more friends. Uh, there are people coming up to me saying I need to work harder <laughs> or I need to care for my wife better or my children and those types of pressure. But it's assumed that we don't have friendships, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Or or maybe there's an indicator like you do have people around you. You have things going on. Your time is full. I think sometimes friendship comes out. The need is more um, seen and known when you don't have anything filling up that time. So friendship seems more like natural that you, you don't have anything else going for you. And you're a leader. You have all these business relationships. You have all these things that you're involved in. I think mm-hmm. sometimes that gets mistaken for friendship. And I think it's really easy to, to blur those boundaries, which is good to work with your friends, right? It's good to have good relationships with people you do business with, but it doesn't necessarily automatically become a real friendship or a place where you can be authentic or should be authentic sometimes. So I, I think I'm, I'm asking, that would be my kind of thought listening to that. But I guess from the male perspective, Zach, that would be more for you to reflect on an answer. But I would wonder if that's part of, even for females, if that's part of the reason that friendship doesn't get invested in as much. No, I, I think that work bestie space is amazing. Right. And, and it's proven that it like helps your work performance be better and all of those kinds of things. But um, as somebody who has worked with both of you at one point or another or is still working with you, um, there's a, there's, I would say, Crystal, this is probably more of like to you, there's a place too sometimes where you can't share with your work bestie what's happening, but you're still in the thick, right? You're in the soup mm-hmm. and, um, and your work bestie isn't the person that you can communicate that with. And maybe depending on your work sphere, your spouse doesn't necessarily live in that same realm or understanding as you. And so there just needs Mm -hmm. to be another place where you can take some of those things. Yeah. You get very isolated and it's hard to, and then, then you kind of have a very narrow, especially if you need to process things that have to do with that sensitive area of a very narrow space where you can find somebody that can't, you can be authentic with, because when you're a leader, um, it can often be things that affect other people and affect other things. So there's a lot of weight to it. So I, that definitely probably plays into being more closed off or unhealthy because a lot of leaders, you could just spew it everywhere and that doesn't help either. (laughs) Yeah. I heard a lot of wisdom in what you were sharing, Heather, is just that you're considering how it's impacting the people in your community, what you're sharing with them. And do you, do you mind diving deeper Mm -hmm. into what you're talking about there? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I work in a ministry space, so I think that there's that. But I honestly think that that probably applies to the CEO of any corporation. Like, um, there are just things that you don't get to communicate with everybody around you. And um, and and being in the space that I'm in, in a ministry space, it's not like um, a bad day for me can necessarily always be communicated with everybody around me. That just creates friction for them that they don't need to have. Um, and I, I love that you guys call this human-sized because I work with human-sized people who do ministry. Um, if you if you were in in a CEO situation, mm-hmm. you work with human-sized people who who work a major corporation or whatever. Um, but for whatever reason, the people around us have a can have the tendency to look at things much bigger and more attached to themselves as maybe is necessary. But um, I can't just go and like mess up my my husband's relationship with 
his pastor or his church because I'm having a bad day with his pastor or his church. And so I think uh, I need space where I can communicate that um, in a in a healthy way, um, get out what's happening within me, but not affect everybody around me. So how do you know what a space like that looks like? How do you know it? And then how do you cultivate it? It's probably, because I think that we have like, yeah. or at least I have this vision kind of for that space for people, right? But I think it's another thing to kind of cultivate that space. So for me, that space looks like a place where I can be known 100%. I can be authentic. Um, but maybe not everybody is connected to what I do, um, uh, ideally. And if they are, yeah. they're okay with believing yeah. that the people that I work with and the things that I do are human-sized. They're not directly, re- you know, linked into God or, you know, their religion or their faith or whatever. Like they can see the problem for what it is instead of letting it take on more than it needs to. Yeah. I feel like it takes time to find and cultivate and you need to be patient with finding that space. Um, because it is a, it is something you have to really know the people, the person that you're trusting. Um, but I think you have to be intentional in seeking it out as well. And sometimes depending on the level of leadership you're in looking for networks outside of your area, or sometimes a good start to even get a picture of it. So you can not that you should always be going outside, but get a picture of it so you know a little more what that looks like um, when you find it closer too. I think too, don't wait till you're so unhealthy and so hungry that when you meet somebody, you're just like a fire hose at them, you know, with all of your stuff. Um, start start slow and and do so while you're in a, like in a healthier space, right? Um, maybe what you need is a counselor or a therapist yeah. and to be looking for a community, right? Um, I think that's a great idea if you're already in that unhealthy space, yeah. but like go slow. Don't, don't just go in with all of your guns, you know, going, um, walk into that, like maybe with a little bit of caution and a little bit of slowness so that you can build the kind of relationship that will sustain that kind of friendship. Yeah. I think the counselor thing is really interesting. Um, I think that's something that is way undervalued of just being able to have like a space, um, we pay for it often, um, that is just yours to unpack things and unload it. And I started seeing a professional counselor recently and I have a friend who's a wonderful counselor and she's counseled me through a lot, but I'm so close to her too. Like I felt like I wanted to experience just going to somebody and try to work on that, just being able to process and not feel having to be cautious or worried about the person. Um, and it's been a really interesting exercise and very helpful. And I think it's worth, um, any leader considering just a touch point in life of having that just to be able to sort yourself out with someone who's just there to help you find mental health. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some other tips, Heather, in cultivating a healthy community? Cause I do think there's difference between an unhealthy mm. and a healthy community, but what are some tips to, um, because that community just doesn't arrive in forming. Right. Um, I love this. Uh, Jenny Allen's book, um, Find Your People, was fantastic for this particular thing. So I definitely want to give that like a shout out because I don't really struggle to have community, but I know that people do. And for me, that that book was really, how do I help people find community, um, help them find their people? And so um, there were a few really big things that I I I got out of that book And so one of them was, um, be the inviter, like just invite the people, you know, uh, start there. Maybe somebody, you know, knows somebody who's going to be your next bestie, but, (laughs) um, just start inviting people in. And, um, one of the things she says is like, if you have the energy to be the inviter 
uh, do that because a lot of people don't have the energy to be the inviter. And um, don't be so, don't put so much weight on it that like you're devastated when they say no. Um, because you're going to get no's. People are busy, man. We keep our calendars stacked here. So um, you're going to get a no. That's okay. Move on to the next one. Have a list in your head maybe of people that you want to invite. Let's say you want to go to lunch with four people, but you know 12. Start with four. Somebody's going to say no, invite somebody else in. It's okay to, to hear no and to move on. And I think, honestly, as leaders, that's something we cultivate anyway, right? Is recovering from from fumbling the ball. Um, we we have to learn how to hear no well. And so I think that that's, that's probably a skill that we uh, develop better than a lot of other places. So, so go with that skill. And I put a pin in something right here and just kind of zoom in on it. Um, we're talking about leadership. We often go to that mentorship, even as you're talking, we're talking about community and my mind is keep going to like mentorship. I think one thing to highlight, I think we're talking about like peers, community, having fun with people that you can trust and be authentic. You don't always have to be coming to them with this deep thing that you need to work out or vent or whatnot. But like, there's this need for us to be in relationship that is relationship for relationship's sake, not to, to meet some, some need or to be, you know, a, someone to hold on to our burdens with us, which is good. That's all part of community. But I think leaders especially tend to miss out and devalue the part of just having fun together and being friends and yes. just how yeah. life-giving that is. Um, I, I remember when Kurt was headed up to Albany to go work, Chris, my husband, and um, we got to get, my niece was staying with us and we all got together, a group of us friends um, at the park and had like a big picnic kind of moment. Um, and my niece was like, She'd never seen um, her adults have friendships like that. And she was just like, my my parents don't do that. That's so amazing that you guys have so many friends together. And um, they really are supportive of both of you. And I was like, yeah, you you know, we want to we want to encourage that. And I think not even just for yourself, if you can't find the motivation to do it for you, do it for the the, the people who are watching you do it for the legacy that you hope to build. Um, help them to see that mm. that um, they don't have to do this alone. Our kids are so lonely these days too. I think it's so important for them to see their parents mm-hmm. model how to have community and, and the importance of being in community together. Not just, I agree, not just for the hard things, for just good, you know, for the 4th of July um, or to, to build gingerbread houses mm-hmm. together or whatever it is that you, you know, floats your boat. Um, have that kind of community. Yeah. Well, and I would even ask the question, if you're not doing some of that, are you really in community or are you just having a service with somebody? Yeah. So Heather, I know you're an introvert. Can you speak to introverts and community? (laughs) I can. Um, And I love it when people hear the word introvert and um, they hear, they know me and they're like, no, you're not, you're not that awkward. Um, (laughs) I don't know why. You're too hard on yourself. Yeah. Um, That is not what that means, that I have to be awkward. It just means that when I do relationship and when I do community, I want to do it on a deeper level. I I really, I mean, I can hold my own around a football conversation and um, I can talk about the weather, uh, you know, Um, I I really want to know what you're passionate about. I really want to know what's, what's, 
breaking your heart and what's what's moving the ball in your life and and how do you feel about your parenting and how do you feel about your marriage and you know those are the kind of conversations that feed me and when I have to spend a lot of time in a very shallow space that's exhausting also though if I have to spend a lot of time with a lot of people that is exhausting (laughs) so I just have to know uh, and luckily for me and I know that this isn't necessarily true for you Zach but I'm married to an extrovert who will run that space when I'm ready to like check out for a minute and need to recharge my battery. I do think it's harder when you're in a, in a relationship where both of you are introverted and nobody else is running that ball. You probably just have to be way more comfortable with silence. But uh, I think that for me, it's recognizing when I can, when I need to tap out. And then also knowing that in the part of being a loving friend, it's not just about me. So maybe I'm exhausted. You're right. Or maybe I'm not feeling like I need to have a lot of people around or like my favorite way to spend a weekend is at home alone, reading a book on the couch, not talking to anybody or just walking my dog or whatever, you know, but, um, but part of being a friend is caring about others. And so it means reaching beyond my own self and, and checking in on the friend who needs checked in and, and, um, doing some of those social things because that's what extroverted people need or, or my introverted friend who doesn't have a lot of people to conversate with. So I, I do think that there's that and and being a person of faith, which is brilliant. I, I don't draw on that just for myself. Um, I get to count on, on God to give me the energy to do some of that. Here's another really brilliant thing I learned. Introduce your friends to your extroverted friends. <laughs> Um, I just I, I found out that one of my friends who's who's also introverted just um had a had a time with another one of my friends and they had an excellent time and I was like I could have introduced them. And at the end of the day, then you don't feel like you're carrying all the weight of the, their need for friendship because you've shared that. And that goes back to inviting people out and and um and making space for them to interact with others. I think oftentimes we invite people to a one-on-one do more of those larger gathering kinds of things. It doesn't have to be like 400 people. I'm saying four of you go to brunch and connect them with other people so that you're not the only one carrying the weight of the friendship. Yeah, that's good. I like the community piece that you kind of touched on there too, is that that's the value of community of not having to be as an introvert, the one that carries a relationship. But when you have community, it's a group effort to um, meet each other's needs. So Heather, where can people get in contact with you if they want okay. to? Um, I have a, I had a blog. I haven't written in it in a while. I'm, I plan on getting back to it eventually. But if you want to know anything about my empty nest adventure, um, I'm on learning to live in my empty nest at wordpress.com. And then I'll, I'm, on, I'm on Facebook. That's my more, my more social platform. All right. And we'll put the links into that. Thank you for coming on today. Yes, always so good to hear from you. You have such great wisdom. Thank you. And with community, you're going to fail a lot. So it's all right. Keep trying. Fail forward. You got this. Thanks for being with us this week on the Human Size Podcast. Join Zach and Crystal next week as they discuss emotional boundaries. Emotions are, well, emotional. And taking time to understand them can be difficult. Zach and Crystal will help you along this journey. Now have a great week.